All right, just after 10 o'clock in the City of Champions, uh, having a great conversation with our special, special guest co-host, Bryn Griffiths, this morning. Uh, came in to fill in for Grant Fuhr, who is back next week. But mind you, you know what? Bryn's doing a pretty good job. Might have to talk to Fierzy about this. Uh, you want, might uh, want Grant to will be fine. <laughs> he will be okay. Uh, and we've had great conversations with Grant, I think. Oh, man. You know, uh, but I enjoy looking back here too as well. So in 2002... Uh, yeah. Before, you know, uh, you know, it was TSN 1260. People have to remember before that, it was Team 1260. Yeah, I was working at CTV mm-hmm. or CFRN at the time. Yes. I was the sports director, and I had the privilege of working with two younger guys, Ryan Rashog yeah. and Brian Mudrick. They both, you know what, like, they got to get a new picture for Rashog on all the socials, right? Like, come on, man. I think there thing, might have been just a little gray in his temples last time I saw him. That is from, from about 30 years ago. Uh, <laughs> it's from his Kamloops Blazers days. It's not even uh, yeah. CFRN. Yeah. And it, it was an easy decision as a sports director for yeah. me. I hit myself on the noon. Yeah. And we put Mudrick on it on the late show because he liked to go out afterwards. Oh, yes. And Ryan was the good-looking guy of the three of us, so he was the 6 o'clock guy. So it was pretty... <laughs> anyway, so... Marty Forbes was the longtime general manager mm-hmm. next door at the two radio stations with Standard Broadcasting. And Marty says, hey, listen, I'm, I, I, I'm talking with Toronto about we've had this oldie station on forever and maybe it's time to change the format. What about going to an all sports radio format? I said, well, that's interesting, but how would you do it? Mm-hmm. So he says, well, here's, here's kind of my plan. Here's what I'd like to do. But the problem was convincing Toronto, who pay the bills, yeah. that an all-sports station would work in Edmonton. I always believed that it would, but they said, well, let's ease our way in. So we're only going to do a morning show for the first couple of years. So, you know, the, the, the goal was to try to figure out what kind of morning show did we want to have because morning radio is a little, a little more... It's tougher in some ways on a sports station because you gotta you do have to kind of tell people that there's a problem in traffic because they still need that information. They still need to know what am I going to wear to the game tonight mm-hmm. if it's a football game or if I'm going to work. So you got to it's got the blend has got to be a little different. The other thing is that I'd been more of a traditional sportscaster through all of my career, and they said, well, you got to find somebody who's going to see the the game a little different. Maybe somebody who would see it from the cheap seats. Mm-hmm. From section double O is what we used to always joke about. So we're trying to figure out who we're going to go after, right? Well, Cub Carson had worked in that building for such a long time. He, uh-huh. you know, Cubby was a kind of guy who would say anything and would get a response. He would have been a great selection. But just as we're talking, Jake Daniels walks by because he's working on the, the rock station and says, hey, guys, how you doing? Hey, Brent, how you doing? And as he leaves, I, I point to Marty yeah. and said, well, what, what about, about him? him? Yeah. He, he could certainly, Jake's got a news and a sports background, but he's just as happy to be up in section double O having three beer with the fans, seeing the game a little differently than I would see it from the press box. And it worked pretty well. Uh, some sports fans loved it. Some sports fans didn't like it. And hate and I, and you know what? And, and hated it. Yes. And hated you know what? It. I didn't care yeah. because for us to be a little different, we had to do some different things. And some media guys hated it mm-hmm. because they couldn't. Uh, I, let me give. Uh, I don't know if I should do this story right oh, now. Oh, you might as okay. well. What, what do you have to lose? Well, he. This is one of my <laughs> all-time favorite stories about the difference in the dynamics on that show at that time. I needed to see it from a media's perspective. Jake needed to see it from a fan's perspective. Yet Jake also had something most fans did not have, and that was access to players and into the locker room. But the players, I'll use the football club as an example. 
they loved him because he kind of, he if he said anything that was negative, there wasn't a meanness to it or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just the way he and everybody else up in the seats may have saw the game. So the, the guys that really loved him in the locker room were the offensive linemen. Okay. They, they really could relate to Jake. And there was one game that, and there was one other player, Mike Pringle. Mike did not like the media at all, but there's one media, Dave Jamison told me the story. There's only one media guy in this town that Mike Pringle likes, Jake Daniels. There you go. Because he doesn't feel threatened by him, yet he's interested in hearing how he views things from the cheap seats. But anyway, the offensive line guys one night offered Jake a beer. Yeah. So he's sitting down talking about the game and everything with these guys with a beer. With the keg. Yeah. Well, not quite the keg, okay. but close. Because those guys could tip them back after a oh, game, man. but they're sitting in the, you know they're they're in their football pants and the t-shirt and and they're just basically you know chewing the fat with Jake. And, and all the other media hated it. I still remember two or three guys. What's he doing over there? Yeah, he's getting his stories right. He's he's doing what he's got to do. The one guy that really hated it was Dwayne Mandrusiak. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne just absolutely said, "Hey, listen, man, this is kind of what we're paying him to do, right?" But Jake always found a way of telling the story a lot different in a way that was not a traditional media way of saying it. And it worked pretty well for us for eight years. But after eight years of doing this, you do burn out. And I was programming right from day one. And you just, you get tired. It's, it's a hard grind. So my line to you, uh, we did, uh, we actually covered, you know, the opening. And once there was an announcement, we covered it back almost in the ITV slash global days back yeah. then. And your line was, this is unfinished business for me. And, I'm th- and I was thinking, man, this is a guy that was doing uh, Moose Jaw Warriors play-by-play when I was growing up in Saskatchewan in, you know, 85 or whatever. And just that line, it always, I just remember it. I just did think well, back. Well, you know why I said that was because everybody kept telling me it wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Everybody said, that's not going to work. An all sports station is not going to work here. And so for me, it was unfinished business. I was convinced that my, one of my favorite stories from there was we did not stream online for the first year because we didn't want the owner, Gary Slate, to hear what we were doing because I didn't want him to come. And Marty, this is Marty. We didn't want him to come to town and say, that's not going to work here. Mm-hmm. We just wanted to kind of keep him away from us while we tried to find our way and get our feet wet. And uh, it, it, to me, I never doubted that this format was going to work here because this is a great sports town. And we've always had, and what, and the old expression was when the Oilers win, that's mm-hmm. great. When the Oilers lose, that's even better because people get that passion is more inflamed when things are going a little off the rails, <laughs> right? Yes, you know, it is. We it, all know it that. Just, yeah. That's the way it works. Yeah. But it, in the middle is kind of, nah, blah, you know, that's what it there's is. There's a passion yeah. level here that there isn't in some cities. And I worked in Calgary for, for a year and a half to two years. Calgary's a really solid sports town. I, I loved it. I enjoyed my time there. But man, oh man, when things go yeah. bad here, everybody comes out of the woodwork. I got to hear from Calgary in 96, 97. And I always say in Calgary, people wanted to make their, at that time, $100,000 a year and then go to the mountains on the weekend. They didn't give a you-know-what about the passion, the drive, the get behind a cause, get behind where it's life or death things. Way different in Edmonton. Um, yeah. We want to bring up, so, and you touched on it, so you battled cancer twice. Yeah. In your words, you said you were in the clubhouse. Um, yeah, everybody talks about playing the back nine. I was at the clubhouse for a couple of days, and I just and I, I don't know how I made it through. I didn't even know I was in I, ICU, mm-hmm. hanging on, and the family was even told, well, we don't think he's going to make it. But somehow I decided that I still have about four or five more holes to play, and now I'm back. And, uh, hey, listen, your life changes when you go through that kind of stuff. 
It was stage four stomach cancer. They took the tumor out and my entire stomach. And I seem to be clear, but you never know. It's cancer. Mm-hmm. It could easily come back, but I'm not going to waste any time. I'm, I want to do stuff that's fun. Yeah. I want to enjoy every single day. I got family. Your priorities change. I, I, I would have lived and died with everything that happened with the football team, the hockey team, sports in general. I now just enjoy it and kind of take it in. I don't overanalyze on that stuff anymore. I just, I, because I got life to live. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a huge one for me. So um, great that, I mean, your health is good now. Yeah, I feel pretty good. There's some, you know, I obviously have the scars. I was mm-hmm. gutted like a trout <laughs> three years ago. Uh, and But uh, for the most part, I feel really good. However, I do tire a little bit more in the afternoon, but I'd like to think that that's the fact that I'm now at over 60. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to sit in a chair at five in the afternoon, I might not off for 10 minutes. <laughs> and I used to make fun of Halsey for the longest time for in his office. He'd yeah. be having a cat nap. And I used to think, what's he doing? Well, now I get it. Yes. If I, I, next time I see him, I'll apologize. So two other great friends of ours, Dave Jamison. Yes. And John Sexsmith. Yeah. Uh, battled cancer as well. I mean, obviously yes. I was a lot closer with Johnny working with him for 25 years. I'm tight with both. Tight with both. I played football in high school with John <laughs> at Harry Ainley back Harry, in the day. We wow. go that far back. So now you have this relationship where you guys are bouncing things off, um, ideas, experiences more. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah. Can you kind of discuss how that all went and then, you you know, podcasts and things like that? Well, a couple of things. One, before I went in for my surgery, I had determined that I was going to go public with my my battle for a couple of reasons. One, I was in for a checkup at the cross and I ran into somebody that I knew who had the ability to say, hey, you'll never believe who I saw at the Cross Cancer Institute mm-hmm. in a gown today. I didn't want the story getting out like that. My theory was, I'm going to be up front with everybody. The family really wasn't 100% on side with that. They would rather just, let's deal with it quietly. Yeah. But my theory would be, why don't I tell my story? And if there are others out there going through the same sort of thing, I tend to be a pretty upbeat kind of guy. So maybe my upbeatness might uh, may spread to others. And so so. I went down that route, and when I came off the back end of everything, and I was recovering on my back deck for six to eight months, mm-hmm. uh, I I got a lot of those calls from people, or people would just drop by and say, listen, your story has been great, very encouraging for me. But then you see John, what he went through, and John also with the same sort of uh, ability to, I could think I can tell a story yeah. here to make people re- recognize that not everything that happens is a bad story. You can battle through this and you can win or you can put it off and live another 15 to 20 years. Mm -hmm. There are some positive cancer stories out there. So with Dave, myself, and John, I think the three of us have tried to make sure that we go out and tell that there's a positive side to it. You can can beat this thing back and you can live a close to normal life. You have to make a few changes. I've had to make one. I can't eat three meals a day. Mm -hmm. I don't have a stomach anymore. So I have to eat I have to snack. I have to. I have right. to graze. I guess is the best way of doing it. <laughs> uh, but but anyway, uh, through all of my battles, you get calls from JMO. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm having a tough day today. I can't. You know, I'm having trouble swallowing. Well, here's what I did. Or Johnny, I would phone John and say, "Listen, I'm struggling with this." Oh, well, here's what I did. To have that community pull together, uh, and we're just all very close friends. It's really good to have people. That's why when we were talking with Brant not long ago yeah. about the fact that you got to, your support group has got to be really, really strong. And so uh, so that's kind of how I got to this point. That's how I f- I'm feeling really good. Well, that's great to hear. And it's great to hear that Dave is feeling good and Johnny's feeling good. 
Um, There's just one difference for me. When I got the stomach cancer, I was 270 pounds. <laughs> I don't even remember you like that. I know. Well, thank you. I'm I mean, glad, I don't, honestly, I'm glad I, I, I did not, I don't even remember that. My doctor at the time, Dr. Boris Boyko, yeah. who is an oiler and a yeah. football club doctor, uh, said, you know what? Cancer is probably saving you from having a heart attack hmm. because I dropped a ton of ton of weight. I'm now my grade seven weight <laughs> and I'm not in grade seven. I'm like down to, I think I'm anywhere from 160 to 165 and I feel great. I wish that I had never put on that weight. I, you know, I'm trying to, I guess I do when you really think about it, but it's a long time ago. I know. You know, but well, anyway, you, like you look great. Thanks. I feel you good. Know, you look great. Um, we're going to hook up with your old your old buddy Jake Daniels at about 1040. Thanks for the warning. When's the last time you talked to him? We uh, we communicate every once in a while, yeah. but it's usually by text. I don't think I've talked to him in about a year and a half or so. Our, our uh, exec producer, Slats, says that you guys haven't been on the radio together for 15 years almost. Probably that, since, yeah. Is that true? That's probably right. So this will be kind of fun. Oh, man. I, we're going to... We're going to have to tell him that he's on like about a five minute time limit. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm the one you got to worry about going long. Well, you'll know when you're getting the hook. I'll look at you'll, your you'll eyes. Be get, you'll be getting the Heisman, right? Your eyes. The Bob Cole Heisman. Yeah. You know, everyone knows about that. Yeah. Uh, when we come back, we'll check in with <laughs> Zach Lang, Blue Jays Nation. More with Carrius and Griffith on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. 1018 in Edmonton. Kevin Carius along with our special guest co-host Bryn Griffiths. And we welcome in Zach Lang from Blue Jays Nation to talk a little baseball this afternoon as Major League Baseball playoffs get underway. Uh, good morning, Zach. How's hey, it Zach. going, big guy? Oh. Hey, Kevin, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me today. Oh, thanks for coming on. So we've been waiting for this for a while. We weren't sure exactly where the Blue Jays were going to kind of slot in there. I think most people thought it was going to be Tampa Bay, but in your estimation, this might be a better, a much better matchup, uh, the Minnesota Twins in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I would absolutely say it's a more favorable matchup for the Jays, especially here uh, in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, look, you, you can't take any team lightly at this point in the season, but at the end of the day, you know, the Minnesota Twins are statistically the worst team to get in the playoffs this season. Uh, they're a team that's uh, struggled against left-handed hitting all season long, which will be an interesting storyline to follow. Um, you know, maybe a guy like Yusei Kikuchi comes in for some time, uh, you know, during one of the games here out of the bullpen. Uh, and then I'm also looking at some of the relievers like Genesis Cabrera and mm-hmm. Tim Meza, who I expect to be key contributors here uh, through this uh, two or three game set that we're about to see. But it's an exciting one to say the least. Uh, it's uh, it's hard to believe it's finally here. You know, we had uh, Dan Hayes on from the Athletic in Minnesota yesterday, and just with that heavy left-handed lineup that the Twins offer out, uh, Edward Julian, Alex Kirillov, uh, Max Kepler, uh, Matt Walner's coming on all left-handed batters. He thought that it wouldn't be a, a crazy idea to say that Yusei Kikuchi could get a start even in Game 2. Having said that, with the three pitchers that the Jays have uh, to, to get things underway uh, with Gosman, Marios, and then uh, uh, Bassett in game three, it's pretty tough to go away from those three. But how do you kind of see that lefty lefty matchup kind of going here? Well, I think it's going to be a key storyline to follow in this series. You know, as you mentioned, the heavy left-handed lineup that they have, it's a bunch of guys who struggle against left-handed pitching too. So, uh, you know, sometimes you see these left can, that can hit well uh, against lefties, but that's not quite the case for these twins. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, a guy like Matt Walner is somebody that I'm really interested to see what's happened, what happens with here uh, in this series. He's batting down the order seventh or eighth 
in the lineup today, but he's got a 169 OPS against right-handed pitching. Um, and, and, you know, we've seen Gosman at times struggle. I, I expect a big series from him and a big game from him here tonight. And something else worth noting, too, is that this Minnesota team has struck out in 26.6% of their plate appearances all season long. That's among the worst in the entire big league. So that plays really well into what Kevin Gosman excels at here, uh, and that's uh, striking out hitters. One of the things that I'm a huge believer of at this time of year is momentum. I think momentum is a huge factor going into the postseason. I don't believe it exists in any postseason in any sport because things change so quickly. How do you feel about the momentum carried into this postseason by the Jays? Yeah, it's definitely there. I mean, we see how exciting the last you know two weeks of the season was for the Jays. Also, a very stressful two weeks, right? I mean, they were they were really fighting for their playoff lives here, and they really just eked into the playoffs. But you know, it kind of feels like all along that this Jays team is just what they were, right? A, a team with a top three pitching staff, a bunch of average to maybe above average hitters, and the ability to just kind of squeeze into the playoffs. I think this is still a, even at this point a very successful season for this Jays team. Now the big question is, what can they do Minnesota? Because, you know, the Twins are a team that's been plagued by playoff losses too. I think they've got 18 straight playoff losses yeah. um, in their organization. So it's going to be fascinating to see how this game plays out. And, mm-hmm. you know, in sports, any, any given Sunday is the old saying. So anything truly could happen here in the next couple of days. Zach Lang is our guest. Carrius Griffith, Sports 1440, Blue Jays and Twins. Game number one today, 238 Edmonton time first pitch. Uh, we discussed the Jays pitching staff. What do you make of the three guys that the Twins are going to roll out here if it does go three games? Yeah, it's going to be a tough couple of games here for the Jays, too. I mean, Pablo Lopez is among the best pitchers in all of baseball. And Minnesota as a whole has a pitching staff that has, you know, to a certain extent helped get them here to the postseason. So, uh, you know, for the Toronto Blue Jays, it's really going to be fascinating to see what they're able to do here. At the end of the day, you know, the old saying is good good, pe- good pitching beats good hitting. But at the end of the day, um, you know, this is a Jays team that's chock full of offensive talent. These are some very, very strong hitters at the plate. Um, I'm really interested to see what the lineup looks like uh, when that card comes out here soon. For the Jays to win this thing, what are the intangibles? What are, what are the, the, the quiet things they've got to do to get by Minnesota here? Uh, it, it sounds very simple, but drive and runs. I mean, this Toronto Blue Jays team has struggled to score with runners in scoring position all season long. That's the third most batters, um, or sorry, third most base runners on base this season. Uh, it's it's super cliche, but they just got to find a way to get guys home. And I think that's something that we started to see in the final couple weeks of the season here. You know, when the Jays kind of realized, hey, you know, we might not be able to just kind of waltz into the playoffs here. We're really going to need to uh, uh, give it all that we got to try and find a way. And I think that's going to be the biggest storyline here because we've seen over time this season this offense kind of go completely limp. And it's, of course, a concern here starting off uh, the postseason. So it'll be fascinating to see what happens there. Zach Lang, Blue Jays Nation, our guest on Sports 1440. Um, you did touch on the Jays' offense and, and things like that, but... Uh, look at Minnesota. I mean, Brian Buxton didn't even make the roster. He's just a total disaster this year. They're gonna it looks like they're gonna have Carlos Correa back. What? Uh, what did I guess besides those left-handed hitters, who scares you the most on this Minnesota Twins roster? I wouldn't say it's one specific player that scares me. I think they're the thing about this Twins team is they're a really strong some of their parts. I mean, mm-hmm. they don't have any one particular hitter who's truly, truly excelled this year. I mean, 
course, you mentioned guys like Edward Julian, who's been electric this season. Royce Lewis, you know, played only 58 games, but you got to talk about what he was able to do this season. Five grand slams in 58 games this year. That's, that's a scary thing. Now, you know, the question is, is how will his hamstring hold up, right? Because he, he suffered an injury there late in the season and didn't play uh, very much down the stretch. Same thing with Carlos Correa, right? I mean, what a disastrous first season it's been mm-hmm. for him dealing with that plantar fasciitis that uh, completely tore off in uh, in a September 19th game. So it's going to be uh, um, it's going to be one thing to follow for sure. And they do get Royce Lewis back as well. Um, Edward Julian, you touched on him. What a wonderful season for the Canadian. And we discussed him with Dan Hayes yesterday. Uh, what just the fact that he he offered this massive spark when he came up. Um, Dan, he said, well, you know, he's not, he wasn't great defensively when he started, but he has improved on that. But he's offered an offensive spark and he's at the top of the lineup. And it's nice to see a Canadian uh, do that well at this point of the season. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's going to be really kind of fascinating to see what happens with him too. I mean, the storylines there are tremendous. Uh, as you mentioned, a Canadian kid grew up. He remembers the Jose Bautista bat flip uh, that rocked the nation. So he's absolutely a guy that uh, at the top of their lineup there that's a threat uh, anytime he steps up to the plate. And, you know, again, it's it's still any given Sunday, right? You can't take any of these hitters lightly. So Julian's a guy that the Jays are really going to need to key in, uh, especially early on through the uh, top of the rotation. When everybody talks about Minnesota and how, you know, sure, they, they did what they did, but they could have been better. Does it always concern you when you start with a fresh slate in a playoff game like today? Oh, always. Yeah. It's always a concern. It's it's a brand new season at this point in the year. You throw out pretty much everything you know about any team to a certain extent, of course. Right. right. Um, but how many times have we seen, you know, these underdog stories uh, in baseball and any sport, really? So uh, this is the big thing for the Blue Jays. Is they just cannot take this team lightly. Yes, uh, you know, Minnesota did not have a great regular season. They were in a terrible AL Central Division. <sighs> But Minnesota also caused the Jays some fits at times this season, right? So, right. you know, it's uh, I keep kind of harking back to it, but like they really need to come prepared for this game here today because any little slip up, and this is a Minnesota team that can capitalize. Zach Lang, Blue Jays Nation, is our guest. Uh, Kevin Carries, along with our guest co-host Bryn Griffiths, this morning it's uh, nine or pardon me, ten twenty-seven in Edmonton. Um, you know, the one stat that just befuddled me this year regarding the Jays was their batting average at home with loaded bases. Finished up about 142, somewhere in there, under 150. Yeah. Maybe it's a good thing that these games are on the road because if the Jays ever get up to bat with the loaded bases in Minnesota, uh, maybe they can maybe drive in some runs. This, to me, it all starts with Vladimir Guerrero. Um, came on this year at the end a little bit, not as much as I think a lot of people wanted to see. Guerrero, I had him in our fantasy baseball league. Uh, he was terrible. Really, uh, when you look at his personal stats, just 26 home runs. Would, if you were to say, uh, Zach, on a scale of 0 to 10, how much does Vladimir Guerrero, would he say, would you, would you rate him to be maybe a deciding factor, what he does to push the team over and move on to round number two in the playoffs? Where do you see what Vladimir Guerrero does in this two to three game series with Minnesota, hopefully? Uh, where do you see him moving forward in this series? Well, I think he's in a critical spot for the Blue Jays right now. I mean, you look at where he's hit in the lineup all season long. You mentioned some of the struggles uh, that he's had, so to speak, this season. I keep coming back to this about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Maybe it's just time we accept the fact that he might not be one of the best players in all of baseball. 
Mm-hmm. You know, this is a, a young man who came into the major leagues with so much expectations on him. And in that one, uh, you know, 2021 season there where he was one of the best hitters in all of baseball, 46 home runs, I almost wonder if it set the expectations a little bit too high or added more expectations onto Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You look at any of his offensive numbers, and they are all still above league average. Mm-hmm. Right. And as far as I'm concerned, that is an excellent thing to have on your team. You can have a team full of guys who are just above average hitters. You are going to succeed in the long run here. I, I think he's a guy that the Jays absolutely needs to have a big series here. We need him to drive in some runs. He's got to find a way to get a, a ball deep over the wall at some point to drive in a couple of runs. But in the same breath, I don't look at him as any more of an X factor in the series than a guy like Bo Bichette mm-hmm. or a guy like Brandon Belt or a guy like George Springer. All of these guys at the top of the order play critical and key roles. And I think at this point in time, you know, it's you can't put too much pressure solely on one player. And I think especially for a guy like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who I believe is an excellent talent and should be a Blue Jay for life, um, you know, maybe those expectations need to dial back a little bit. Zach, when we take a look, I'll use hockey as an example to, to lead into this. Often, if I want to know how the team in Edmonton is performing on the ice, I try to talk to somebody outside of the market or even down east because they see it maybe a little more objectively you've had a chance no doubt to talk to other people around the league away from toronto and how they see the blue jays are you finding that that they're seeing something that maybe you don't see because you're right there in the backyard uh not overly i i think the general consensus around the toronto blue jays is kind of what i mentioned here you know they're a team with an elite pitching staff one of the best in all of baseball but they've got some bats that can kind of have some struggles at, at points in games, and it can become a real contentious issue for them. Um, I don't think that there's anybody in, the, in baseball that you know, sees anything overtly different about this Toronto Blue Jays team. Um, as I said, I, I think they kind of are what they are at this point in time, and I absolutely think that this is a team that can make some noise in the playoffs here, and I think they are a team that could be a bit of a, an X-factor, a wild card, so to speak. Uh, it is a bit of a softer landing spot in the first round here right. uh, against the Twins, right? So can they take advantage of it? Because if they can take advantage of it, then you know we'll, we'll really see what they can do from here. But uh, I do think it's absolutely critical that they come out with a, a victory in this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. 401 Zach Lang, Blue Jays Nation, is our guest with uh, Karius and Griffiths. We didn't touch on the bullpen yet, really. Um, do you think that it is... What are the chances we see Jordan Hicks closing out games? Uh, it seems maybe Jordan Romano has run out of gas a little bit. And also, what do you make of Johan Duran uh, in Minnesota as the closer? We know he can bring the heat, but uh, a little bit of inexperience there. Just touch on uh, the bullpens, specifically the closers, Zach. Yeah, it's going to be really fascinating to see what happens there. I'm a big believer in Jordan Romano. And I mean, if you take a look at any of his numbers, he's among the best closing pitchers in all of baseball this season. I think the weird thing with Jordan Romano is is if you really have to dive into his splits between hold situations versus save situations, in save situations, he kind of turns into a bit of a pumpkin. And then all of a sudden, or sorry, in hold situations, rather, he he turns into a bit of a pumpkin. But if you got him in a save position, that's the spot you want him in. So it's going to be fascinating to see how they kind of utilize that because at the end of the day, I do believe that Jordan Romano is the guy that I would want out there to close out a game uh, no disrespect to Jordan Hicks, who's an amazing reliever and it can be a great closer as well. Somebody who had, I would expect to be in high leverage situations in the next number of days. 
to me, I continue to go back to the fact that I think Jordan Romano is, is one of the best closers in all of baseball, and I think the Jays view him that way as well. Johan Duran, I mean, you mentioned the inexperience there. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens with him too, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's so hard to like sit and try and predict what you think can happen in baseball because it feels like the variance in baseball as a sport is so much larger than that of any of the other pro leagues. Um, so many small things can happen that can make massive differences in games. So uh, it's going to be fascinating to see uh, what happens there. You just touched on that. One of the things that I always watch very carefully in the postseason, and it's not somebody who plays on the field, it's the managerial decisions. When you get to the postseason, sometimes yeah. great managers can pull a great team down into the sewer and sometimes managers the other way can lead teams on to glory. How do you see this? How do you see the two guys in the dugout calling the calling the shots here? How do you feel about that? Uh, I feel great about having John Schneider behind uh, <laughs> as the Jays skipper here. I really do. I think this is a guy who we have to remember is still a young manager, all things considering um, in, in Major League Baseball. But again, this is a guy who's come up through the ranks with all of these young Toronto Blue Jays players. He knows Bo Bichette better than anybody. He knows Vladimir Guerrero Jr. better than anybody. He knows a lot of these younger players that have really come up through the Jays system over the number of years. Uh, again, I think, you know, <laughs> it's so hard. Like, Toronto just as a market as a whole, is so fiery. And we see it with all of the pro sports teams. We know what happens with the Maple Leafs. We know what can happen with the Toronto Raptors, too. I think a lot of the noise around, you know, John Schneider and what he's done as a manager for this team uh, is just that. I think there's a lot of noise. At the end of the day, he's gotten him into the playoffs two seasons in a row here. Uh, That's not an easy thing to do. Um, I think I fully trust him there. And I think having a guy like Don Mattingly, uh, to help him along has been a huge addition for him this season. And I think as we've gotten deeper into the year, like the, the decisions Schneider's made have been a little sounder, in my opinion, uh, than maybe earlier on in the season or, or at the midway point of the campaign. Zach Lang, Blue Jays Nation. Uh, one last one for you, Zach. So Jays and Twins get underway 2.38 our time. Uh, a little bit before that, uh, it's uh, Texas and Tampa. In the National League, uh, the two night games tonight, Arizona at Milwaukee and then uh, the Marlins and Phillies. Uh, our Frank Saravelli's uh, watching that one in Philly. If Zach Lang could have a ticket and go to watch any one of these games besides the Blue Jays <laughs> and Twins, where are you going today? Yeah. Where am I going today? Oh, man, that's a great question. Uh, I think I would have to go and join Frank and see the Phillies <laughs> play. I, I think that would be an absolutely amazing time right there. Philadelphia is going to be a fun team to watch here in the playoffs. We've seen what they've done this season. Uh, the resurgence of a guy like Trey Turner, what a tremendous story that's been. Kyle Schwarber, what he's brought to play mm-hmm. this year is fascinating to see considering how low his batting average and how many home runs he's driven in this season uh yeah i think i would have to uh, go join frank for that one and we can only hope that angel hernandez works the plate tonight in philadelphia yikes <laughs> oh that would be interesting to say the least <laughs> all right hey zach thanks for your time today enjoy the baseball playoffs and uh, you know it's non-stop tv for like what nine ten hours straight today yeah, it's uh, going to be pretty great. I can't wait to get home and uh, watch some ball today. All right. Thanks, Zach. See you, Zach. Uh, uh, Zach Lang, Blue Jays Nation. It's a 238 first pitch. Love it when it's just, you know, it's not 230. It's 238 first pitch. It's exactly. Not too, you know, we're, we're bang on. Uh, by, you, by the way, going and watching anything in Philadelphia yes. is, a, is a treat and an, and an adventure. <laughs> when we come back, uh, we will uh, check in with uh, Bryn's old radio partner jake the snake daniels when we come back on sports 1440 right after the break 
All right, here we go down the home stretch. Uh, the Duke of Delburn. You, that's another one of your favorites, isn't it, Duke? You just love that song. Like, I, like I've always said, I love the the intros, the uh, the old take on me sample. Did you have gets a, me going? Did you have an old intro song, Bryn, when you were, you know, in the old twelve sixty days? Did you have, um, you know, as once uh, uh, as an old broadcaster would say, it's simple to have those intro songs, but the person. <laughs> Uh, we got to wait for uh, the Duke to kind of line up our next guest here too. We're going to uh, Jake the Snake's on the line. We got him coming on. Um, Duke, can you uh, fire up Brenner for for us? Uh, so, did you have an old? Uh, did you have an old song that you? I I don't recall. I think uh, Jake and Brad Slater looked after that. Mm-hmm. I just I just talked. Uh, well, let's uh, let's bring in. Your old broadcast buddy, Jake. How are you, Jake Daniels? On fourteen forty. I mean, this is this is fifteen years since you and Brent have been on the radio together. It's like a Dean Martin Jerry Lewis get together. Yeah, you know what? It's. Nor- I was thinking about what time we used to start the show at, or, or arrive at least, and I'm thinking that's now when I get up for my second pee. <laughs> Your voice has changed yeah. changed a lot. It's just because you're getting older. It sounds you know you got that the radio voice now, like not like in the old days. Oh. I- I don't know, man. I, I've been out of radio I'm for uh, a good four years now, I think. So uh, I can't believe it's been this long since we've actually talked on the radio. We've chatted a few times. Yeah. Are I'm you okay? My, I'm still waiting for my invite to your big uh, Cancer Survivors podcast there. Uh, yeah, there's another guy that we can add to the list. Uh, Jake's had his little uh, challenges. We, okay. uh, hey, listen, that's all part of getting older, man. Well, it is, and it's just interesting that it's since we last uh, worked together and talked much, there's been a, a lot, awful lot of tropical diseases, we used to call them, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Jake uh, always said that I was going to go through some miserable disease nobody ever heard of. We always used to yeah. laugh about it, right? It wouldn't be a traditional way of going, but hey, listen, we're still standing doing other things. How's everything going out there in the Okanagan? Everybody okay? Uh, yeah, it seems to be going all right. I'm currently looking at Okanagan Lake from a uh, brand new house build. I'm I'm working construction these days. Wow! And, yeah. Um, so it's been over 20 years, I guess, when Team 1260 started on the Edmonton Airwaves. How much fun did you have doing that with uh, with Bryn, Jake? You know, I I really never considered it that much of a job as as much of just hanging out with a, a bunch of guys and and talking stupid stuff about sports, or at least in my case, stupid stuff, which. As we all learned, lasts mm-hmm. about seven and a half years in a sports serious market like Edmonton. Well, that's okay. I mean, you can still have some fun because if you're not having fun, what, I refer to it as the toy department of life, and I mm-hmm. still believe that. It's more so now than ever before. We just tried to have a good time, especially if you're going to get up at you know four in the morning. You want to make sure that you're going in. And uh, the, I, one of my favorite stories about mm-hmm. Jake was uh, – uh, I, I'm an eternally, I wake up very, very chipper and perky. You're not bad, but Aww. sometimes you'd come in, you might be just a little cranky. And I usually try to use that to our advantage on the air. <laughs> poke, 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 poke. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Just, yeah, I, I had a great time, Kevin. And that's yeah. a serious answer to your question. I had, I had the best time, uh, being around that atmosphere for, for that many years. And I felt kind of blessed that I got to do that. Like Bryn said earlier, you know, I had access. I was a fan, but I had access to all of the players and coaches, mm-hmm. and sometimes that got me in trouble, and sometimes it didn't. But it, what it did do is, I think, endeared my style more so to the fans. And I did used to sit up in Double O with all the crazies up there, and there's the hot box of bus group, and there was uh, 
all those good times back going to football games. Yeah, Bryn and Jake in the morning, and Carrie is just kind of going along for the ride here. Uh, do you remember some special, uh, I guess, players you covered? Did you have a special relationship with a couple of other players that maybe stood out more than others? Um, I got along real well with Mike Comrie for some reason. Yep. And and as again as Bryn mentioned earlier, the offensive lineman. I don't I don't know what happened there, but yeah, that was that was kind of my crew, the O line on the uh, on the Eskimos. Um, I, I did find honestly a bit of a divide. I mean, it's hard to really form good friendships with guys who who live so differently than than everybody else does. And I'm not saying that in a negative way, mm-hmm. just that there's guys with millionaire lifestyles and and, and professional athlete lifestyles, and then there's sort of the rest of us. <laughs> and so I think that I became better friends with guys like, you know, the Eskimos who have to have off season jobs and, right. and, you know, some of the other athletes who, who aren't making millions of dollars a year more so than I think the, the multi-million dollar guys. And, and I, again, I'm not saying that in a negative way towards them, just it's a fact of life. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to tell you, there was one story and this is when I was just starting and this goes back to 1990 and, and this is alludes to what you're talking about. And uh, the Oilers were playing the Kings for the first time with Wayne Gretzky in the lineup. And I was going down to cover that series. And I was about to grab a cab back to the hotel. And the Oilers said, jump on the bus. We're going back to the same hotel. And I got on the bus. And there was only one single seat available. And it was almost at the back. And, Kevin, you've played. The back is kind of a special zone. And I sit next to Charlie Huddy. And Charlie turns to me and says, they're sure giving you a hard time on the air. And I recognized at that point, oh, this guy isn't just Charlie Huddy. This guy's a lister. And so all of a sudden you kind of, you, you recognize that that maybe you do have something in common. I think we naturally gravitate to those guys that we have a little bit something in common with. They're, I think it's getting harder to do that mm-hmm. now, but you, you bring up a good point. The offensive line guys were just like us. Yeah, I think so. Hey, you know what I have for you guys? And I'm curious, I got to tell you, I got to keep this to five minutes <laughs> or less. Okay. Um, remember Oilers Chick slash Oilers Dick? No. Oh, yes, I do. I recall that. He, he was a poet, and uh, he was one of our biggest fans, and he sent me a, a little poem here that I'd like to read, if that's okay, that's well, about our time at the Team 1260. Do we okay. need some music for this? I don't think we have any. Yeah, that's okay. All that's right. Okay. okay sure. uh, here we go. So this is, this is Oilers Dicks, not mine. I'm just reading it. Okay. We were two years away from seeing Janet Jackson's breast. Edmonites needed a place to unburden our chests. We got what we needed, and we needed Britt and Jake. Who else could commission flame-shaped urinal cakes? We golfed and ate hot dogs in winterized boats. Each one of us agreed that Murph was the goat. As sure as baby Jesus was born in a manger, we learned that no smell on earth is worse than the Kokanee Ranger. <laughs> on location at the Heritage Classic in 03, we laughed as Jake heckled a poor referee. As the ref walked away from the ATM, Jake grunted, Brutal call, Miroelli. Should have taken out 200. You guys were always there making us laugh every morning through Grey Cups and Super Bowls. It never was boring. You helped get us through that loss to Carolina. Remember when you all thought I had a vagina? Yeah. Yeah. I miss Squeaky Brad and I miss Wingnut Dally. I miss making fun of people in Drayton Valley. I miss Haywood Jablomi and Vance in L.A. I miss Adil. It's something I never thought I'd say. I miss Rosie and Drew and the American Nick. I love you all. Your best friend, Oilers Dick. Hmm. I'm glad you kept that. Yeah, well, I thought it was appropriate for so, this little... Yeah, uh, what do you miss the most about not doing kind of morning radio? Um, huh. 
I, I don't know if I could pin it down to one thing. I mean, I, I liked the connection that I, I made with, with the listeners, um, both in my days on the Bear and and on the team on the sports station and, uh, you know, other stations at the K97 for a bit here in the Okanagan I was on for almost 10 years. And I, and I really, really miss that sort of connection and, and that bringing the level to the listener and bringing them in on what's happening. I always said if I got into radio, and I finally did, I would I would be more sort of open about what was happening in the studio, about how things worked, and, and I think that, that I miss mostly that connection with the listeners. Uh, here's a text coming in, one seven eight zero or pardon me, one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. 1440 Missed the guys on the radio. It was a great time with both of you. Um, lots of Wilson moments, uh, being oh on air when God. Steve Irwin passed, Labor Day. Yeah. Uh, announced my engagement on air with Bryn. Uh, this comes from Super G. Memories that will last wow. forever. Uh, let's let's not forget Carl. Um, there, you know what? It, it, I think that the audience hasn't changed a lot. We've just got a few more gray hairs. Yeah. But we had a really loyal audience, and we still do. I still run into people, and I, it's great. I think the audience has changed more than you think. I think that it's become far more over analytical yes, than it's ever been because now you can just punch up a stat and you can go on and on and on and you think that just because you're reading it something off the internet there it's not as personable maybe uh, maybe that's the wrong word i think that the, the, the connection maybe you know what i mean yep. like you know 20 years ago it was a little different because there weren't all these facts and stats at your fingertips just like that i think we're missing the storytelling jake don't you think <laughs> well um and any you know you mentioned earlier about uh, some of the other broadcasters, Jamie Campbell. Oh, yeah. You remember him at Grey Cup 02? Yep. <laughs> he, he wandered up to our Am I allowed to tell this story? He well, wandered up to our if it's okay, yeah. With some, some beers under his arm, we'll say. <laughs> uh, a case of beer that wasn't necessarily still full. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that, is that a nice way? Yeah. And I, every time I watch a Blue Jays broadcast or anything with Jamie, <laughs> I can only think of that moment when he came up with his two call askew yeah. to say hi to, to you and I at the Grey Cup. You see, see, Grey Cup is the key words there. How many beer yeah. did you snag off of him? None. That was the mornings, man. I, I couldn't drink in the morning. That's crazy. Oh, he whatever. hadn't gone to sleep yet, I yeah. don't think. But no. Whatever. <laughs> hey, and very quickly here, there's one moment that really sticks out for me because it came, somebody mentioned it to me not long ago. We used to love to poke fun at Danny Machocha. And remember when uh, we were trying to get him to say that Calgary sucks, and remember what he said? Do you remember this? You're not going to get me to say Calgary sucks. And so what we did is we were able to edit it so it sounded like Danny Machocha was saying? Calgary sucks. Yeah, it was uh, it's the magic of editing. And he used to find it really quite funny, but I think he was kind of embarrassed. And we did it purely for fun, uh, not to make him look bad, right? At least he kind of got it. Oh, yeah. And then we also do it to, um, oh, who was the following coach who became? Uh, uh, Tom Higgins. Uh, Tom Higgins. Tom Higgins, because I remember his clip was, Calgary sucks, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. That was the clip. And I think yeah. his line had also been, you're not going to get me to say, Calgary sucks, gentlemen. Yeah. So. Uh, a guest you guys had on, and this comes in, uh, whatever happened to Scott Taylor from Winnipeg? He was on all the time. I just Actually, I just chatted with Scotty about maybe a month and a half ago. He's doing fine. He, He's doing he was one of the first radio guys that went all across the country. Like, he was doing hits, hits, hits everywhere. I got to tell you, there was one guy, and Jake, this is one of those fun fun moments for me where you actually kind of became a little fanboyish because we were at the Grey Cup in 2005, and you're sitting next to a guy named 
Jim Taylor, who you listened to for a long time. You guys hit it off really well, I thought, but it's because you were, this is a guy that you'd heard through British Columbia frequently as a, as a national contributor. He was, he was a great guy. We did? I did? Yes, you don't remember that? Because I remember him and you talking and both laughing about certain things. You just seemed to connect, and I would just try to jump in because I wanted to feel like I was part of the conversation, but you guys were off on your own conversation. And what was one of the, the second greatest Grey Cup game ever for me was the one where the Eskimos beat Montreal in overtime. The first one for me, Saskatchewan-Hamilton. 89. Right. Okay. But but anyway, I, I still remember how you, you know, you, you kind of were always shying away from other media guys. Mm-hmm. But Jim Taylor, you just seemed to, you seemed to, to click with two cranky I was guy, great. Two cranky old guys ah. kind of thing, right, Jake? Yeah. Hey, now. Hey, come on. Oh, hey, anyway. now. A uh, lot of texts coming in, uh, guys. Great reunion. Um, Want to thank uh, uh, Slats for getting uh, you on, uh, Jake. We wish you all the best uh, in BC. Um, yeah, thanks a lot. And uh, maybe we'll get you and Bryn on again to talk some old times. Uh, everyone talking about the uh, dynamic duel of Edmonton Sports Radio 20-odd years ago. Starting 20-odd years Big ago. Big hugs to Janice for me, okay? All right. I appreciate the time, gentlemen. Have a great day. Hey, thanks a lot. That's uh, Jake, man. Jake Daniels. Um, Ken sends in the text. Bryn and Jake so missed the dynamic duo of Edmonton Sports Talk. You guys were awesome in the morning, and it's great to hear both your voices again. Uh, did you have fun today? Yeah, it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. I uh, uh, I got the call late. I got called out of the bullpen late <laughs> yesterday afternoon, and they said you know, I didn't know I was filling in for Furzy. Wow. So I'll take that as a huge honor. It it but, is a big compliment. Yeah, it just meant I got up a little earlier, got my other work done. I work at a great place called Road Fifty Five. Mm-hmm. Rob Lalisher is the guy who owns the company. Of course, son of Rick, Rick who's with doing the, magic again here now. All of a mm-hmm. sudden, and uh, anyway, so it's uh, I've really enjoyed working. So what in what the are you doing there? What's that all about? Well, Quick, quickly, it, it, initially I started doing my own podcasting business yeah. because corporate podcasts were starting to surge and rob says why don't you come and join me at road 55 we you know we're looking to expand mm-hmm. and so now i work on video podcasts and still do a few audio podcasts and all sorts of different wonderful creative things at road 55 so it's been it's really been enjoyable for me well and so is this this was fun i mean it's great again, we go back a long ways and never worked to get together this is until the first today, time in, which in is really like amazing this, yeah. to me uh, I know. I remember, like when when you were with Bill at the Oilers, you used to give me the gears a little bit. But well, it was part of the fun. Yeah, it was part of the fun. I that's the best part. Oh, absolutely. Around, like you know, with Jamie and the Shady now, you oh, can just. Man. Kate Doyle, that's the best part to kind of give those guys the gear, so for sure. Uh, thanks to everybody that came on today. Once again, we had just a wicked lineup. Matthew Peterson from the Alberta Golden Bears uh, was our guest at 7.20. Mark Spector on the mark, our daily contributor at 8. Uh, Frank Saravelli, you hear him Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, with the daily face-off. Uh, lots of stuff with Frank, man. He's a busy, busy guy. Uh, Bryn was our host again from 9 to 11. Thanks, Bryn, for coming in. Really appreciate your time. At Bryn Mighty Mouth on Twitter. So, or, sorry, X. 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 Yeah. And we had fun talking to Brent Myers at 920. Uh, and then Zach Lang from Blue Jays Nation. Coming up at the top of the hour, it is Fantasy Frenzy with... Uh, former Rochep T-Bird. Connor Halley and the Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas at uh, 12 o'clock till 2. It's the lowdown with low tide. And Jason Greger takes us home right here on 1440 from 2 to 6. Once again, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, We're back tomorrow morning uh, at 7. David Schlemko will be our co-host tomorrow, 9 to 11. Uh, Thanks for listening. Before we uh, say say hello to uh, the Duke of Delburn uh, and, uh, and Connor Halley at the top of the hour, here is the Duke with a sports update.